When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Bailey Tom Bailey. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me on. It's taking the time to talk to me. Indeed, and it's and thank you for your patience waiting to get a slot on the schedule. Um, <laughs> I realised I was a pain in the ass, but it wasn't through want to not record it. It was all about things happening as life unravels. So before we go any further, um, I'm now going to call you Bailey, Bailey Tom Bailey. Do you want to do you want to tell the audience why what, what we go what's going on here? This is very unusual for me. Usually, I'm I'm, I'm worried about how I pronounce a Celtic Irish name. But um, I'm faced with a surname and a, and a first name are the same. Not seen this before. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's all my real name. I just doubled it and it's confused people ever since. Um, there's always been like, <laughs> there's always been uh, too many Toms in the room. So uh, eventually I just became Bailey and I tried to sort of officiate that a little bit. And it's just, uh, it's, it's always a bit of a talking point. So No, I like it. I like it. I wish I'd thought of this because I, <laughs> I used to get fed up a bit because my surname's right. I was always yeah. at the bottom of the register, so I was last to everything. You know, if there's a list of something, I would be last uh, to get the go. And I always thought, oh if God. I could just get further up the bleeding list. Never thought of changing my name, but um, such is life. Yeah. <laughs> but we've <laughs> not come it. on here to talk about the uh, register of names and birth certificates. We've come to talk about your short movie. Do you want to give us the title and brief synopsis, please? Absolutely. My film's called The History of Nipples. My nipples? What do you think they're for? If the land didn't produce and life was not prosperous, they knew the nipples were to blame. Well, life's a primordial hiccup anyway. It's only for something if you make it for something. Someone even liked it. I don't like Tate. Uh, it's it's about a man who questions the use of male nipples and takes some quite drastic action, uh, and was inspired by a Celtic fertility ritual, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more in a minute. Indeed, we will. <laughs> Indeed, we will. Now, now we we bumped into each other at Fright Fest back in August, where your film played, mm-hmm. and since we've spoken, you've had some notable. Um, Pats on the back from various other places where your film has played. Do you want to do you want to tell us what's what's been happening with the history of nipples since we spoke? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, after Fright Fest, uh, the next place we screened was Oaxaca Film Festival, where I've been in Mexico, um, which was uh, was a great, really interesting experience. Um, we eventually won Best Terror, which was great, uh, and you know it's an exciting place to be. There's a lots of lots of people attend and um, learned a lot more about pitching there, which is good. So it's kind of given me a bit more steam to really focus on getting getting a feature made. Um, it also screened at uh, a little strand called Damon Fest by a okay. uh, program by Damon Ricard. I don't know if he's someone you might have met. Um, I know Damon. A... Yes, indeed. I was with him not not a week from this phone call. There you go. Uh, yes, he's a lovely man. And um, he, he put it on as, as part of the Unrestricted View Horror Film Festival. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's also going on. It's going to play this weekend at Aesthetica. And I'm preparing for another pitch uh, where I'm going to be there. And then it's going to go on and play at London Short Film Festival. Um, and that's what we have so far. But we're waiting to hear back from many more. Um, I'm probably going to be doing more genre festivals in the in the new year, hopefully. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, it's nice to know that your film has has been given a life. Was 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 Fright Fest your world premiere, as it were? It was, yeah. Um, and it was it was, you know, I've been to quite a few festivals over the years, and I suppose because it's a, a primarily a feature festival, and the the shorts they don't pick loads, but it was such a good program, um, and uh, some so many amazing filmmakers in there. Yeah, because it's it's sort of it's three concentrated sort of. Um, sets isn't it of short films that they play it oh. was and that they were so diverse as well um which is something that i've been to fright fest a couple of times in in previous years uh, i had a friend who screened his uh first sort of low budget feature there a couple of years ago and i'm what was that film uh, it was called mountain fever eventually mountain fever, i know uh, henrik well oh you do oh, he's, a, he's an alumni of the britflix podcast good stuff well he's a good friend of mine um uh he's now sort of uh, working towards doing a, some documentaries, I think is the, his main focus. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I was just attending. I suppose I was. I, I found that the, the program was more diverse than I'd anticipated, um, and uh, it's it's an exciting place to be. I also just went and saw Swallow at the Halloween festival. Yeah, um, and it's quite surprising that a film like that's at some you know what's primarily a, a horror festival but but great news. I, think, I think it speaks volumes for whatever horror is because i think i think for those of us that sort of regularly attend it's it's this we, we use we use the shorthand genre more than we when, i'd say genre now more than I ever would say horror because i yeah. feel like sci-fi you know dystopia whatever you know uh, th dark thrillers they all end up falling under the, under the sort of potential to be a fright fest film now, um, as opposed to there's some scary ghosts, there's some monsters, there's a man with a machete, you know the obvious kind of there's someone going to torture the hell out of you. I mean these are obviously obvious touchstones of what we class as horror, but I think yeah. the the art form as it were is much is much more broad than that, and that that sort of brings us into your history nipples, which obviously from the title doesn't suggest mm -hmm. scary and I don't I don't think for one minute you'd ever describe history of nipples as scary so no but it is something you're going and I believe you me audience it is a film that and in, in and to quote myself back from watching it before we spoke <laughs> Jesus Christ was the was the <laughs> and I'm in the house on my own and I said it out loud 
Um, so wow. that gives you a clue as to the uh, as to the visceral nature of uh, where where Bailey takes you with history of nipples. So before before we go into any sort of well, I say well let's go into detail I suppose. Um, mm, yeah. Where the Celtic uh, folklore element that you mentioned in in the sort of synopsis. Is this mm. where the is this where the kernel of the idea for the film begins for you, or is that yeah, something I've... you um, figured out while obsessing about nipples? Mm, yeah, no, it's absolutely something I discovered. Uh, nipples have never really been uh, a huge personal uh, burden to me. God isn't interested in technology. He knows nothing of the potential of the microchip or the silicon revolution. Look how he spends his time. 43 species of parrots. Nipples for men. Slugs. Slugs! He created slugs. They can't hear. They can't speak. They can't operate machinery. If I were creating a world, I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. <laughs> Sorry. I, I know that... You know, most people and me and I'm sure many men and many women have at some point wondered at least what male nipples are for. Yeah, I can, uh, add, I can add as well for the listener on Google, the phrase nipples for men. Nipples for men. Nipples for men. Nipples for men. Gets you a lot more results than time bandits is all I'm going to say. So ca <laughs> carry on, Bailey. Sorry. No, no, no. It's great. Um yeah, so it, uh, I uh, probably like maybe four or five years ago now, I was in the, um, uh, a museum in Dublin and I, they have these, this interesting exhibit of people you might have seen, I call them bog bodies, but there was, there's pictures of these Celtic uh, people who fall into the bottom of a bog and become mummified and they, they're sort of flat and they kind of look like leather, hmm. um, which is its own thing that's sort of fascinating. But uh, it, they said that this man had had his nipples cut off and the reason that their theory for that is that they believed that um, Celtic people would ha would come and uh, they kneel on one knee and they'd suck on the king's nipple to bring forth fertility to the land. But if it didn't produce, they'd end up cutting his nipples off and killing him, uh, which is I just it's such a an absurd idea and kind of kind of amazing. And I, I walked away from that exhibit with and sort of said, hmm, the history of nipples which uh, I immediately thought was kind of a good title, but I was like, why don't I make films about medieval uh, Celts and I don't really know what this would be. But I, I kind of had this thing sort of flashing through my head of, of uh, maybe making a sort of more like a sex education film, but like a satirical one. Yeah. Um, and for years and years, I thought it was too silly and I'd have a couple of beers every now and then and I'd mention it to somebody and I'd be like, yeah, but I don't really make films like that. Um, I've made, I, I suppose, more kind of like... Uh, dark and, and 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 strange but not not really things that were directly comedy but comedy become more and more important to i think how i this kind of stories i wanted to make or, or tell um so eventually I, I you know this thing kept coming up and, and i i told some people who i'd met working at some such um and wanted to make a short film i i said uh i told them about a couple of ideas and they said this is the one that we think uh we think would be good to go with and and at some point, I, I also realized that it does have all these themes in it that I've always been interested in, um, which is all my films have a sort of fascination with the human body, mm -hmm. which to me is this uh, is this mystery that we spend all of our time with. Um, you walk around, it, 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 it's a huge part of your 
uh, your day, your personality, your wants and desires. But it's always, I, I think everything we do is kind of trying to uh, feed it. It's sending us sort of bad messages a lot of the time. Um, it's trying to communicate kind of hurts and pains and feelings. And well, we kind of don't know what it does until it stops doing it. Exactly. I, you're, speaking to, you're speaking to someone who has just been to hospital to see a consultant. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's fine. I'm fine. I, I went there and okay. I came home. But it's been a process of seeing a doctor because I have, um, I suffer from gout, which obviously right. is hilarious in the Henry VIII eating too much red meat and drinking pork. But to a person <laughs> in 2019 suffering from it, you go, what the frig have I got this for? Yeah. Um, and it done half hurt. And then when they explain what, how it does it, you're like, okay, so my blood crystallizes things that other people just piss out, and that's what causes yeah. me pain. Thanks a lot, wow. genetic code. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's almost like we take it's like we take what we do for granted at the same time as marvel at it, and then when it gets – or even just banging your knee, and you kind of go mm. – well, I wish I wish I could rewind the clock, you know, get Superman to fly around the world and rewind so I don't have a sore knee again. <laughs> you know. Um so yeah, go on, carry on. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's um it's it's fascinating and it does all kinds of strange things to me and I think one of the I suppose almost as important as that what keeps coming up is I'm particularly attracted when that somehow to, in my films it tends to feed into both uh, an existential view of your life and your body and also a, then a spiritual one and, and unlike i suppose classic existentialism those two things are kind of quite close for me mm-hmm. um so yeah that's kind of where this this ends up being so what what fascinated me the more time that i thought about this idea was was that essentially there was a time in 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 the world and society and interestingly society in this cult in this country because I think it's really interesting in this country, maybe we don't um, exoticize our past as much, or I feel like we don't in the way that, you know, I grew up loving ancient Egyptians or ancient Romans and their cultures seem so fascinating and and rich, but um, I feel like Celts don't ever seem quite as, uh, as, as mystical. Um, Anyway, that's a bit of a a side idea, but I've got a theory uh, about that. Yeah, go for it. Which is Christianity. And mm. all our kings and queens, because they're not Absolutely. part of that Celtic history in a sense. They're essentially they've quashed that. That was part of, you know, the reason we don't glorify it or exotify it is that it's the loser, for want of a better expression. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm from Irish and Scottish stock myself. You know, in terms of my family's origins in sort of recent generations. Right. But yeah, the notion of a Celt is this you know, red-haired, fiery person who didn't like the king or queen who sat in England. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it, get, it kind of just gets it gets forgotten and ignored, and like you said, and it's a really interesting idea. Mm. Um, yeah, So, and, and I, I think, you know, so there's that element of it, and then there's also just the thing of, basically, if at one time there was a part of a person's body that was considered to have divine importance, and now... In our time, we consider that part of the body completely redundant. I think that's, that's such interesting things about how our cultures have changed. And as I've got older, the role of um, 
of faith and religion in in kind of our society has uh, has fascinated me. I don't know if it's something that I it's, it doesn't really change my day, but I did find that there was more connection in my family to it than I think I'd I'd realised when I was younger. Um, I get, I'm sort of spinning off again, but I, in what sense? What do you, what do you mean by that? I don't I don't quite follow. Yeah, so 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 to so to expand on what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm hinting at. Um, at some point, there was. A couple of documentaries on uh, on on the TV, and people started contacting my family to find out more about my granddad, who was a priest and a theologian. Which wow. I, yeah, and I guess I knew a bit about him, but not enough. But it turns out he, the, well, this one program called Sex in the Church said he was one of the three most important theologians of the last thousand years. Gee whiz! Um, and, he, and you've yeah, sat Chris, you've sat around Christmas dinner with him and didn't know this. Well, uh, he popped his clogs oh. before I came along, unfortunately. But um, but it sounds like he was a very eccentric person and uh, interested in all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, uh, but he he wrote a book called Same Sex Relations in the Western Christian Tradition and one about um, heterosexual relations and basically uh, was part of then part of a thing called the Wolfenden Inquiry that got homosexuality legalized in this country. Um, my because... word, my mind's just blowing up now. You know, here's, I know, me, it's, it's here's a... me expecting this ha 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 conversation about the history of nipples, uh, and here we are. Carry on, please. Yeah, no, uh, I guess it kind of comes. It, I've gone to the serious side of it, but um, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's so that that that's something that I, you know, I had a very light religious upbringing when I was younger, and mm-hmm. I think um, I guess I forget that that was a part of me but then also like every time you go to a church and you're in so you go to a school in the UK you know you sing hymns and there's like Christianity is still part of our national culture or at least it was when I was going to school certainly um, was when I went as well yeah exactly I don't know what it what it if it's the same now I think guess things might have changed um mm-hmm. but uh so yeah it just became interesting more as like a sociological thing of like you know the idea that religion is fluid and that that had been part of the belief of uh you know someone in my family who then had an impact on on culture i guess made me think a bit more about it as well um so that's that's something that's kind of these are things that more just sort of hang in the background of my my just general interests um and come up when i make things like this got you got you well no i mean because i think you know a bit like you know with my 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 blunt theory about about Mm. the the identity of celts and stuff is you know we're foolish if we don't think our identity today is not rooted in some past and that and that's that's to do with thought and understanding and if and if during irish irish celt times they believed that the king's nipple lactating was somehow you know representative of something i mean that yeah. that, that had to have been born out of maybe there was one king whose nipple lactated so therefore exactly. from that day forth if you didn't lactate then obviously you were a you were a dud <laughs> because yeah uh, exactly or, or it's a or it's a symbolic act. Um, I'm mm. not. I guess it's probably it's it's both, you know. But um, I think so. So all of this, you know, uh, to start with, to go back to the film, um, it's it is a hilarious idea. This this idea that, that this nipple kind of meant so much, and I think for for me has so much um, uh, kind of well, there's all these all these questions that come up, and so there's a scene, you know, which dramatizes what what it does what it does and what it could mean um and there's a bit of gender relations in inside of that i mean yeah because because uh, what, what's interesting about what you do is you obviously the the film's very 
sim- simply gives us the origins. You know, you take us mm. back to that time of Celts to to make that point through um, what's he called Joseph McNabb's character. Um, yeah, uh, he's called Ron Burt. Ron Burt, um, and. And, and and it's it's I mean as a technique I thought it was a lovely way of doing it you know in the sense of he goes to the toilet to read a book yeah uh, and then through instead of just obviously a simple voiceover of nipples blah 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 um, so we can tell what he's reading we get to see it acted out we get to see the no the kind of absurdity of of what was a strongly held belief back in back in Irish Celt times you know and where tribes would would put a lot of credence in it. But then obviously you're you're then flash forwarded back into the reality of Ron's world where he's mm. having this existential crisis of why have I got nipples? Um so in that so from your writing point of view um because um yeah it's like how it's 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 over I mean it's already well having an you know ideas are ten a penny aren't they you know in in all walks mm. of life whether they be painting songs or or film but then but then the the premise of, of what you build out of that idea is where is where um, where the fun starts and people begin to be yeah. entertained by what you're trying to communicate. Um, so with Ron with Ron Burt's character, you've got you've got this man suddenly taking it very seriously, something that we just ignore. You know, every yeah. man every man listening to this right now, at some point in this day that they're listening, has had a shower or a bath. And has got dressed and looked in the mirror. They've not even noticed they've got nipples. But Ron, he's now got, he can't take his eyes off him. He's like, why have I got them? And he's talking to his missus and his missus is saying, well, whatever, you know, as if, because it's not important. We don't think of it as important. And then he reads a yeah. book and he's like, no, they are important. And that sends yeah, him off on a, on a spiral down, which is not where you imagine, um, it to go because it's sort of like you've you've kind of you've 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 given us Ron in what what I like about what you've done is you've given us Ron mm. the real world, mm-hmm. but also the way Ron behaves is not rational. Yeah, it is. It is slightly. But, but it is. Uh, it it is irrational. But I think. I I mean I I know that sometimes I I will some I will hear somebody say something and it will uh, you know stick to me and make kind of echo through through my life and through my day hmm. um, uh, and but it became you know more and more important to me that it was quite a, a real life and I suppose you know the, the nipples um, become a uh, I suppose a symbol for him for everything that's that's not meaningful and not right in his life so hmm. you know he's obviously got a slightly strained relationship with his partner um you know you see him uh, sort of a, a, a bus stop and in like quite a i suppose a banal uh modern modern setting and it's just like his his life doesn't really have have any meaning and he's sort of looking for something and his reaction to it is uh yeah there's a there's, a, there's maybe a bit of um artistic license in that but i was but, but he's no, but i like but i like i like we've done there because in a way yeah. you're, you're you're making you're you're, sh- you're showing a kind of heightened version of making sense it's like he mm. it, would it be fair to say that his 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 identifying of the the nipple problem as it were is a metaphor for what's my life for exactly exactly that yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah and it's 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 one of those things that grows grows out of it and i suppose what i was saying at the beginning about the body is that 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 problem is not just oh i wish i had this job or i wish i had this relationship it's in your very essential self you're like what you know why why do why do i exist why do i have this bit of flesh on me that's redundant if that's redundant 
what else in my life is redundant? Now, um, now you've cast you've cast Joseph McNabb in 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 the role yeah. of Rom, and when I look at Joseph's headshots on IMDb, he's a mm. hell of a good looking fella. Yeah. Now, what you've done to him in your film is take that away from him. I think. He, yeah, probably. And I mean that in the kindest way, because yeah. um, I've started with a compliment. And yeah. and in the way he's portrayed, and the way you present him, and the way he behaves, is he, he he's doing kind of quizzical, puddled, and gormless, yeah, <laughs> brilliantly well. Uh, like I'm completely convinced that he's wrapped up in this enigma that he suddenly got himself into. Absolutely. Well, he's. I mean, he's fantastic. We mm. we um we we worked with we. I wanted to try and work with the casting director on this one because I hadn't done that before, yeah. and we just sort of sent sent some nice emails and um, eventually started working with ET Casting, which is uh, run by Emily Tolelli. And and Sally Andrews was the main person who was leading that. Uh, They presented with a a bunch of people um, and Joseph was kind of one of my favorites going in. Um, He's done a lot of of commercials in particular, but he's also done a few, uh, he's done some TV series and some bits and parts and features. He had a little walk on in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and it was just in Dumbo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's done some some great bits, and, and he just, uh, I don't know, he's just, he's just amazing. He has a great, a great sense of physicality, but it never seems to overtake, uh, like losing, he, he never loses, uh, He's so switched on, I guess, is what I mean. He's very good at reacting. Yeah, re- no, reacting. I've watched I've watched your film a few times. Um, mm. So that's my first experience of jo- seeing Joseph on screen. So when yeah. I go and look at how he's presented outside of film, as in take a look at me, it's kind yeah. of a surprise to me to see, you know, the matinee star look. You know, he is he's a For good sure. looking fella, but the way he is, the, like the physicality of him in your film, and the way you've wanted obviously him to be as part of history of history of uh, of nipples is this person who is a bit gormless and 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 and, yeah. and 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 I say that in the sense of that's the strength of what he what he gives yeah absolutely i i mean i definitely i pushed i think maybe a little more than he was totally comfortable with to begin with for him to have this almost like mask look of of this big kind of wide-eyed mm. thing um i was interested i think particularly when i made it um in i through, i guess through the last few projects i've um i'm trying i'm trying to find out where my personal line is in terms of like star, stylization and realism because i'm I'm interested in in both and well I, how much of what he does is on the page and how much is on is a conversation between you and him and how much is him doing it yeah i think there's so much um it was it was quite it, we, we we stayed to the script uh, entirely in terms of dialogue and, and action and things like that. But he brought a lot of um, he brought a lot of, of things to it and a lot of little moments. And he made some of those things uh, really really live a lot more. And and I suppose the you know the way that he looks and performs it was um, w- w- you know w- was his contribution and things that we discussed. Uh, so it definitely evolved quite a lot. Uh, I think, so can, I think can, with any, just out of interest, yeah. just for the, for the, for the, for the, for the filmmaker listening in, um, mm. what were, what, what for you as someone who obviously who, who writes and directs this is mm. what, what did he specifically do 
as an actor? Because, you know, I hear all the time from people I interview, you know, 90% of directing is in the casting. So therefore, obviously, you find the right person, the role does itself, as it were. You just have to make sure you block it and you film it, um, which, which obviously is a very simplistic way of looking at it. But I can get mm. I can get the theory. So, so in a sense, what 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 was what was what was he able to do, or what was the what would he suggest that then you were like, no, that's right, I hadn't thought of that because there's you know in 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 the kind of yeah. romantic sense, if we're collaborating, which film is believed to be you know the collaborative medium, if two people talk, then a third thing happens that doesn't happen independent of the two people. And obviously, an mm. actor and a director is one of those almost like purest forms, isn't it? Where you kind of come together. You can either be autocratic or you can be collaborative. Yeah, uh, I, I suppose I, it, it's it's a bit of both. I am I am at times a bit autocratic, but uh, but he, what was great about him is I think within the strictures of me being like I kind of have this I, this this sort of expression that you have. I want you to have something like that. Um, and putting him in a situation, he would find so many things. I think that was what was what was great is he would be so inventive. So like all the stuff that he does uh, in the toilet, kind of little looks around that he finds uh, are brilliant. Um, the the scene that he has with um, with his partner is uh, I don't know. There's just there's so many little reactions that he had in it. The little there's a little shuffle forward that he does, which was actually him like finding his marks when he's trying to get her to. To pay attention to him um, after he's just uh, after she's told him that his, his nipples are essentially useless. All, all those those little things would would come up, but I suppose they're they're happening on more of a microscopic detail than uh, than sort of full scenes. Probably for this film, yeah. Anyway, well, well, well then let's 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 talk about Chloe, the character of Chloe. Then, so Lily Wood mm. is playing is playing Chloe, and 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 weirdly, even though Ron's the hero of the film in the sense of we follow him. He's he's almost like the internal antagonist of himself because of where he goes. So in a sense, yeah, Chloe is the audience, isn't she? She's the she's kind of like the fuck are you talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely, um, yeah. So in a sense, and, and and that's and that isn't to downplay what she brings to the movie at all. No, because um, in in a way, it's like the more the more she's sorry, the less emotional she is about this subject that he's suddenly drilling down on, the more she reflects our understanding of, yeah, well, it's 2019, man. Why are you even talking yeah. about... We, there's books. We know what nipples are for, and men, nothing. So just crack on. Absolutely. I mean, I think so. I, I mean, just, just to go to maybe to talk about her character briefly, I, yeah. I suppose uh, maybe this is... I suppose this is, this is maybe this is maybe not everyone's experience, but in my personal experience, um, all the women in my life have always been a lot more practical than the men that I know, uh, and she certainly is that. Uh, this character of, of Chloe is um, she's she's the one with with a kind of an outstanding career and uh, uh, you know is, is organised and getting him up in the morning and uh, and also you know towards the end telling him to. N- I suppose not of get so carried away in the complex that he that he did. Um, so I think that was that was a, a really interesting thing for her to play with, and they were amazing when you put them together in the bedroom. Uh, they they sort of bounced off each other so well. Um, well this is something I suppose uh, uh, where Joseph ended up in the bedroom at the end of them having this awkward discussion. He found this moment where he had to kind of like climb over uh, Chloe and almost stops in a sort of, oh, so we're going to make out now. And then when she, when her reaction to it was brilliant, she kind of just stays there and, and just sort of uh, kind of like sur- 
isn't surrendering, but is just like she puts her arms up in a sort of slightly defensive gesture and, and just kind of guides him away with her eyes. And he carries on. Um, and, the, you know, the, just little moments like that, the way that they bounced off each other was was fantastic. No, no. And I think I think a combination of their performance and obviously what you had on the page meant that me as the audience was like, I, I believe that these two were in, a, were in, you know, I believe that five years before this scene, they pro- they may have met. So I kind of, I felt the familiarity despite the the absurdity of Ron's opening lines. You know, it's like, a, yeah. it felt like a relationship despite his conversation in a way. It's almost like a relationship that might be ebbing along. Exactly. Needs a, exactly. needs a conversation like, why have I got nipples? As if that's like the bigger question isn't nipples at all. But mm-hmm. but you get you get someone you kind of think, if I can't talk about nipples and get your attention, then when do I get your attention? Absolutely. And I think um, you know, there's something uh I maybe I'm gonna say is there's maybe something I think I slightly regret. When when I, when we did that bedroom scene, um, Joseph's first reaction was to be a lot more seductive, um, and I I sort of drilled it out of him and got him to be. I was like, no, you've just you've got you're really worried about this thing, and I actually think in some ways we maybe lost some some tension that 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 would have existed and and was I suppose in my original conception of the scene. I felt I felt uh, it. If, if that makes you feel any better, um, well, that's good. Uh, I, but that's it's one of those times where it, it's it's a difficult thing because I I do like um, I do have quite specific ideas sometimes about the physicality and blocking of. Okay, a, but it's a short film, and you've got. I mean, I think that me, the audience, has got to expect to do some work. I don't expect you to do it all for me. And for sure, and and the way that they act, and the you know, she's talking to him. While he's getting all upset about it, and he's, you can see there's something troubling him, and she's got his, she's got a back to him for most of it. While you know, getting on with yeah. what getting ready for bed feels like, you know. So in a sense, that tells me everything about that relationship at that point. It doesn't mean that they're on the brink of anything disastrous, but it might mean they need a jump start. And yeah, you know, that's kind of that. That feels very real. Um, so. In terms of the mm. horror of it, I'm not going to spoil it, yeah. but there is there is sure, sure. there is there is something very very visceral that happens that, like I said earlier, made me exclaim, despite being in the house on my own. Um, and um, and I'm sure when you've watched it with audiences, you've you've delighted yeah, it's, it's in the way that people have uh, responded to your film. Yeah, it's like the first film I've ever made that that has that, but it's it's great to sit in there and you can you can see see reactions as opposed to like be told it was nice afterwards it's amazing also so what's clever about the fact you do it is that we don't i mean i didn't and i'll be interested to know what it what it's like with with a bigger audience you give yeah. us the setup which is you illustrate what the point is by mm. in the past and at no point did i go oh well, that's a bit weird because i'm like i mean you've you've put my mind at ease you've gone this is what happens in the past so right, yeah. i'm kind of ready for the ridiculous you know, in terms yeah. of the past. I'm not ready for a 21st century man to echo the past in the present. Absolutely. And um, I hope that's um, oblique enough to not be uh, too spoilery. Um, <laughs> but what's what, what, what I really enjoyed in the, uh, in, 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 the, um, in the aftermath, as it were, is, um, is Lily's reaction at his bedside. Um, yeah. When she hits him, I'm like, "What?" And then I'm like, "Yeah, that's spot on." And 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 the very fact that hitting is followed by, "I'm not angry at you," and you're like, 
the words out of your mouth and not the mirror of your image of your of the way you're behaving. And that was exactly. brilliant, brilliantly done. I mean, where where was that? Where were you channeling that from? Um, I I guess I think that's probably just how I'd I'd react doing it. I think uh, I I think you know whenever somebody does something like that, whenever they whenever a relative or a loved one does something really really stupid, I, maybe maybe my mother. I think I, you know there's 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 definitely sort of references for me doing some pretty dumb things in my youth or reckless things and um it's, and then, it's, you've you got know, license to do it as a child you know that don't you that's, exactly that's... well yeah maybe some of those things maybe not all of them but <laughs> Fair enough. uh you know you you get you get uh you get they you have to chastise people for it but at the same time tell you know to be empathetic and my my, my parents are very good at that um and you know that's that's really where i think uh Lily managed to have, who's the, the actress who played Chloe, um, got to got to do something really interesting with that scene. It's where her character goes from being almost kind of seeming like I've, I've made her two-dimensional and being very focused on, so focused on the practicalities to sort of softening to him and uh, and being empathetic. And the turn that she that she found in that was was fantastic and it's so moving at the end of it. No, and I think, you know, again, you've not got a lot of a lot of time and space in a short film, and I think mm. in, in, even in that moment, you're you're giving us evidence of what people really care about because you can be complacent. That isn't to say you don't love someone. Still, you just get complacent because normal is normal, and only, obviously a threatening situation, as as you throw up in your story, becomes a challenge to what you've got complacent about, and then you suddenly realise. There's no greater evidence of what you had than fearing you might lose it, and um, and as absurd as it is within your history of nipples, it it definitely goes <laughs> to show, you know, that when when we're faced with, tr you know, tragedy, we kind of like it. Come, the truth comes out of us of how we really feel, even though we might play it, play it, keep it on the download day to day because God, you know, yawn. We've been together ages. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people always need. Uh, um, things like that to to be reminded of of like you say of what's important to how them. did you as, as you said yourself you know the the um it was you've, you've it's the first time you've had a film that has that this this visceral element to it um how did you find working shooting a movie that obviously had specific sort of vfx in it which obviously isn't mm. isn't just about the performance is it so how did that alter your approach to making the film yeah, you know, actually, um, I've done I've done a few movies that have uh, some some sort of SFX on on the day. Mm. Um, I probably haven't. I still I think even even in this one, I'm because you're in such a tight schedule when you're doing a short film. Um, we we never have as much time to do these things as you as you should do. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always a bit a bit a bit of a strain. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, particularly when we when we do that scene it was in we were in that one location and we have this big dialogue scene which is well it's not that big but it's a dialogue scene that took some time to do all the coverage and get right mm -hmm. uh so yeah it was a bit it was a bit squeezed but um i suppose i if, if i could if i could tell anybody if they were going to do if they're going to do things with special effects then um i suppose make it a big a big part of your schedule because it was tricky and we worked with an amazing woman called uh susie battersby who um has worked for uh, she worked on Alien Covenant um, and has done uh, a bunch of movies like that. But also, uh, I think I was doing a stint on um, Holby City recently. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was brilliant. But uh, I think, you know, uh, 
I think she was a, a little bit uh, had a bit of a hard time because we were we were so tight on the schedule. But um, I had to I had to assure her that that we weren't gonna I wasn't gonna like let it go until we'd got or move on. Sorry, I mean until like we'd got something right. So she didn't need to panic but she did an amazing job and you know that shot speaks for itself it spoke for itself on the day um and there's a couple of other things she did and, and and so it's uh yeah it was it was great doing it but i think the more time you can give yourself to to get it right the better um, okay so i mean that's could, that's good no that's sound advice i think that it's worth people sort of um and those that get a chance to watch the film and see what we're talking about it's it's an important part of the film and it, it it gets the necessary reaction it get it, it it the film requires and it also kind of pivots the film doesn't it you know it um, yeah it's kind of it's leading there and then we go down the hill with it after we've got that yes. kind of thing and it's and it's a wonderful wonderful little ride um yeah absolutely so um it'd be remiss of me because you mentioned it earlier because I'd I'd, I'd uh, mm. and it'd be a benefit to to the listener you mentioned about how you kind of increased your kind of pitching skills or learned something about pitching from when your time in Mexico, was it, if I remember rightly? Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah you wanna, absolutely. do you want to tell us what, 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 what you were involved with or what were you seeing that, that, that sort of punched you up a level or two? Sure thing. I mean, I'd actually just jump back a little bit and say that one of the, one of the things, even with this project, I, you know, one, like one of the things that convinced me that this was the film that I should be making now was I sort of just uh, woke up to the, how much, people were reacting to the title and to the idea. And I think that once you get in front of people and you can feel that, that they're reacting as you can tell it to them and you can tell it to them in a, in a simple way and you have something. And then in this, like the title was the pitch really. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause my, my, my I, 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 can, I can talk for myself, can I? Cause my immediate reaction meeting you was time bandits, nipples for men. Nipples for men. It's like, it's, it stands. Yeah. On, it, it's a film I've watched far too many times. And it's a moment <laughs> that I never get bored of, of hearing and seeing. Nipples for men. Yeah. And there you go. And also just the fact that like, you know, um, even if people may not understand everything that you're saying immediately, the point is to hook them. Um, and that's, I think a huge part of pitching mm. going to Oaxaca. They have a big push on, on, uh, being, industry focused um i think actually it's probably the best part to to go for them for, to go to it for okay um yeah so they yeah they invite quite a lot of films um but the they also quite invite quite a lot of people to with, with screenplays and things like that um so, is it, so is, like, it, is it kind of like work in progress stuff so are people in a room yeah. and there's an audience of potential collaborators investors or whatever or is it just no. or is it a room where you go meet people one on one and go what about this yeah yeah there's there's actually there's a bunch of master classes um so that so there's those that I went and met with and also people who there are people who are who are attending so I met I learned as much from the people who were attending who were doing they're they're making i suppose that they're making features happen kind of on their own um the same sort of thing with fright fest i think when you see a lot of features that are being made for like lower budget levels but are but are happening. Hmm. Um, so I, I learned a lot from just meeting those. And also because it's, it's in Mexico, there was a lot of Americans there and I guess they're probably just a bit more business savvy and a bit more, um, a bit better at getting in a room and being like, I'm making this happen. Uh, so they're all doing that. Um, but I think what I really learned from, from the pitching more than anything was that, uh, you're not really going in there to tell them the story. Um, 
you're going in there to do, you know, I, I guess the main things primarily is, is first of all, even though we were actually told advice at some point in a talk not to do this, get in there and, and tell them who you are immediately. Um, so I could go in there and I can talk about making films that are very centered on the human body, why that's important to me. And that I'm sort of, I guess I'm, I'm developing towards a, a little niche that's that has that as its center, but fuses together in terms of a genre, a, a psychological thriller or horror with um, a dark comedy drama. Got you. Yeah. So that's so I think it was really when I was trying to speak to somebody else about the idea in, in this film that they were like, oh, that's your thing. And I was like, yeah, it is my thing. And that's actually that's a way now that I can immediately meet them and be like, this is. It's almost it's almost like you're it's almost like giving people your backstory, isn't it? So when you start talking yeah. about what it is you specifically want to do in this moment, they've kind of got context, haven't they? Is what you is what people gain from that. If you if you say I'm obs- I'm obsessed with the human body and I want to take it in, I want to explore it through genre and da- psychological thrillers, and then you pitch something that seems to back that up, then we know mm. we know whose hands are in. Because if you say I think Lauren Hardy's funny, and then go mm. on to say. <laughs> I want to. I want to do something about splitting a heart open. They're like, what? What's the relationship between those two things? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. No. No. Totally. And uh, this is the thing: is I mean, for years and years and years, I was, and I think a lot of uh, the young creative people don't want to put themselves in a box. And I, in a way, I feel like I haven't. I guess I, I sort of opened up to the idea, probably through Fright Fest, that, and a couple of years before, that you know, you can put yourself under a, a genre. Uh, label but that means many things it can it's quite an open yeah, quite I mean, an open book david cronenberg's made quite a quite a healthy living from what what people term body horror but you wouldn't mm. you wouldn't say that dead ringers and crash and brood and you know and and the like and rabid he's like playing the same note <laughs> no exactly you know and, and it's so i think there's this particular thing in indie film and when you're maybe when you're starting out that people are they're going to inv- they're going to invest in a low budget film because they're investing in you uh, as much as anything else. So you need to get sh- show like clearly and concisely tell them what your personality or, or i.e. what your film is, got you. and what kind of film it is. I think that's a really uh, I I got I learned a lot from that. Um, so so I kind of went in, told them about my film partly because I know the title's a hook, so I got their attention. Told them who I was in that respect. And then uh, told them very briefly the the story of my film and kind of backing it up. The film that I'm that I'm pitching at the moment, uh, or I was pitching there, is called Sharp End, and it's based on a true story, and is about um, a woman who suspects her husband is committing adultery, but when she follows him, she discovers that he in fact has this sexual fixation on safety pins, and when he when she looks at them, uh, when he looks at them, sorry, he ejaculates which turns out to be caused by a frontal lobe tumour. Um, so that's... Well, if I had uh, money, I'd invest in it. You had, well, there you, you go. It's, that's good to know. You had my attention. Uh, I just... I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's the perfect drama, isn't it? I'm suspicious. Absolutely. Of, I'm suspicious of the obvious, and I find out the absurd. What do I do next? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's... I mean, it's, it has a similar pattern to this because not only does when when he ejaculates he has this experience of of a, of a sort of transcendent feeling it's a euphoria that's more akin to a religious experience so this is something that's documented in uh, in uh, epileptics and also people with frontal lobe 
There was uh, a guy, this is gonna, this, this, you, you won't believe there's a, yeah, tenu- there's a tenuous link I can go off on. There is, yeah. there is a man famous for blowing up trains in, I think, the First World War. And mm. he was picked because, like your safety pin man, he ejaculated on explosions. Wow. And- wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. Jello Biafra <laughs> sung a song about him. It's um, if if I can find it, I will I'll put a link yeah, in the show notes do. just because I've brought it up now. But um, yeah, no, it's it is th- again. This plays into where we started the conversation is that we think of ourselves as these biological uniform units called people. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I might have gout. Your man in your true stories ejaculating to safety pins. You know, yeah. Ron's chop. You know, looking looking at his nipples, thinking, "What what's that for?" We're all randomly different. We and also, I'm reading a book about. I've just started reading a book about um, eugenics, in the sense of eugenics is for racists, so to speak. Yeah. So it's the it's it points to the science that says you're just using it to support your own white supremacy. This isn't science. Mm. You just go. You're starting with I'm superior, and now I'm going to prove it, which right. is which is not how humans evolved but because of the industrial revolution and colonization the whole pattern of anthropology was biased towards the fact that we'd set a narrative up which is well these bloody savages in these countries they need our civil society and we and we went that's fine yeah and then you think 300 years later that's the history when in fact it's born off the fact that it started with, we need a good excuse here. We can't say we're just nicking countries, <laughs> you know. And it's no, just and it's, and it's humans, you know. It's uh, we're 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 uh, we are again another thing I read recently, which is that in terms of nature, we're the most grotesque because we're the only animal in nature that doesn't think it has to work in harmony with nature. Yeah, we sort of resist it, and I I think it's it's not really I I haven't really. Um uh you know vocalized or explained it in that way but there's more some of these some of these things that i'm working on now i'm also work there's another feature that i've been developing as well Mm. and the the more i think about it the more i'm like actually kind of what i'm saying is that uh, you know we, we get so confused essentially because we're always resisting our sort of true natures um i wouldn't disagree with you yeah, I suppose that the other film that I'm developing, I won't go into telling you about it now, but it's called The Future Perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, you know, I, I suppose at the core of what it's saying is, um, is, is asking if, you know, I suppose are we primarily, we should be selfish and kind of born of evil and sort of taking bites out of each other. Or is, are the structures and social things that we put around us, um, is that is that how how we should be and i think it's such a an interesting thing there's someone at the moment who uh is becoming more and more important to me is um is ruben osland who did the square and force majeure okay do you do you have you seen his films yes 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 very much very yeah fan, fan too but... yeah i think he's 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 an amazing guy he doesn't really uh i suppose he doesn't talk about that directly in that way but he's uh he's such a he's so brilliant at kind of uh, at creating these sort of sociological studies as really entertaining films um and, and making them so funny and so like you know believable and, and kind of stretch like spinning out these situations into all the possibilities that they do and i really like that kind of storytelling 
But also, he's he's he, in in that he's pointing out the bleeding obvious at the same time as going, "Oh my God, nobody would do that, would they?" And yeah, and that's what makes it amazing is that he. You're right in that what you're what you're talking about in the sense of um, we instinctively resist what we're instinctively wanting to do, and obviously, mm. Force Majeure is an amazing example of of a, of a husband and father. Um, not doing what what the patriarch is meant to do. Yeah, it, it's completely the sort of you know the the, the social structures versus your your instincts. That's, yeah. that's really the job of the film. Well, look, let's just. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm conscious of time, so yeah, um, History the history of nipples is is out and about accruing um, festival screenings, and people can. We'll put links in the show notes to social media stuff so people can follow you and follow news. So if 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 they get lucky enough to be in a place or are going to a place that's showing it, they can find that out. And it yeah, just and can... I hope in sorry, go I was on, no, say, I hope do. Will, on the new feature it will be in line, but um, I, it's going to do a few more festivals first. Cool. For sometime next year. Well, look. Yeah. Also, obviously, once once and, and if it becomes more freely available in terms of being available online for everyone to watch, then uh, we can obviously update the show notes come that time, and uh, and make that part of the part of the podcast. Brilliant. Well, look, it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the Breakfast Podcast. Thank you for your time. It's been fun. Nipples for men. Nice. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. Sorry. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.